Good evening. Thank you very much for coming uh, to hear us today. <clears throat> My name is Joel Brennan, and I'm of uh, one of three members of this ensemble that is named Three. Um, <clears throat> easy for us to remember and easy for our audiences to remember. Uh, we formed four years ago at the University of Melbourne, where we're all lecturers in music performance at the Conservatorium. And we're here today for a variety of reasons, and a new partnership between the Conservatorium and the Melbourne Recital Center began uh, recently, and there is an ongoing relationship with the music, um, mind, and well-being portion of our conservatorium as well, and we're here today under the auspices of that um, group of researchers. And we are specifically music performance researchers, which means that we're uh, primarily interested in music of our lifetime and how music enriches our lives and how music can uh, pave a path forward for each of us. And so we thought we would talk about that a bit today and play a bit for you today. Uh, what you just heard was a piece called Random Round by Melbourne's I think first composer, Percy Granger, um, a man uh, that our guitarist Ken Murray has done quite a bit of research on. So Ken is going to give you a little bit of information on the random round um, and we'll play it again, but in a very different way. All right, thanks, Joel. Um, yeah, this is a pretty amazing piece, Random Round, and it's one that um, is flexible in more ways uh, than one. The instrumentation is totally flexible. Um, and uh, it's open to all sorts of structural um, changes, as, as you'll sort of see in a minute. It was written, um, really, or devised 1912-14 by Percy Granger when he was living in London, so it makes it a very early experiment in aleatoric uh, structures, uh, the idea of including chance in a performance, um, and giving the performer a, a wide range of options of things that they can play at any given time. There are some rules, uh, but also quite a lot of freedom. And if I go to the second slide, you'll notice some similarities with the sitting position. In the next slide, if I can get it to work. There we go. Um, there's Percy Granger with Henry Cowell, um, sort of the American experimental composer who he became friends with later on. And this picture was taken in the, in the 1940s. And this is when Granger started to document a lot of these earlier experiments. So he started writing out uh, parts for Random Round in earnest and, and other pieces at this time because he felt that his early experiments hadn't been recognised and he hadn't been given the, um, the attention that he deserved as a, as a real pioneer of uh, experimental music. Um, and as you can also see, he played the guitar and loved the guitar. He was interested in it as uh, an accompaniment instrument but also very, quite interested in how it was strummed and different ways of strumming it and he devised uh, a method he called um, playing the guitar the Australian way. And sometimes that would mean holding it flat, usually always tuned to an open tuning. So in this case, I've got it to an open C chord. Um, and as you saw earlier, I sometimes had my hand over the top, sometimes underneath. Um, and this is because of the various, various sort of barring chords that I need to do. Sometimes if there's an open string at the top, I'll need to have my finger on this side. So in Random Round, the guitar provides a very vigorous uh, rhythmic uh, um, accompaniment. And partly where he um, gained the inspiration for this from is the groups of mandolin and guitar orchestras and also Spanish Estudiantinas that are really popular in the late 
19th century and early 20th century around the world, including in Melbourne. Um, and this is just a nice photo um, taken outside the Crystal Palace, 1903, before a concert. This is at mandolin and guitar orchestra only. And uh, I think it was almost double that size for the concert, but the men were at work when the photo was taken. Um, later on, the banjo becomes uh, an important part of these groups, but earlier on, uh, mainly mandolins and guitars. And Granger wrote a number of pieces with uh, massed mandolins, guitars, and even ukuleles. And here's just an example of one of his sketches for the what he calls the foreplay, or introduction to Random Round. <coughs> um, you can see if you're writing chords and all the chords are moved up and down on the neck, there's only really a need to write the top note sometimes. Um, and you can already get a sense from that sketch, but particularly from the next one, um, of some of the options that the guitarist has. So for the, the A section, or the a, what he calls the A stretch, there are about 20 different riffs that I can play. Um, and I can switch between them, I can play them once, I can play them 10 times, uh, and move around. It's all, of course, based around a C chord, um, but he was quite detailed in the way that he notated strumming uh, and other sort of picking devices. So the other, in this piece, Random Round, Granger is bringing together a number of his interests, the guitar and these sort of massed groups of uh, guitars that he was interested in. Um, folk music, got a folk, an original folk music tune that forms the, uh, that we hear first. And also his interest in uh, Polynesian singing and overlapping choral singing. So he says what the, what the performers should embrace is dissonance, um, dogfights, he mentions. Any sort of clashes, uh, clattering is, should be embraced as part of the tune. So um, I'm going to hand it over to Don and we'll maybe do a little bit of an experiment with this piece. Thanks, Ken. So we're going to have a bit of fun with this. On, um, we're going to use you as, a, as kind of a conductor uh, of sorts. And um, <clears throat> so you see in your program, you actually have some color. You have a, what in here looks kind of purple, but it was meant to be blue. And, <clears throat> and then another uh, yellow color in there as well. So as Ken was mentioning about chance music and um, how Granger was very early on interested in these kinds of chance ideas, uh, we're going to have a very, very basic um, example of chance music through this. And <clears throat> as you see here, we'll have you vote on whether we're going to play the B section or the C section next, but we're actually going to be playing while you're voting. So while we're playing, we thought maybe we'd have a guest. How about David, would you come up and join us? Thank you very much. So <clears throat> this is David Farrell, and I'm putting him under, under a lot of stress because he's never been a con conductor before, but he's going to be a conductor today, okay? So basically, while we're playing the A section, um, <clears throat> we'll start the piece, and then we'd like the audience to hold up either blue or yellow, okay? And whatever David perceives as being the majority from you, he will instruct us as to which section to go to next. Then we'll bring ourselves back up to the A section, and then we'll do it again, and hopefully the, the human nature in us will allow us to play both colors at some point in the piece. But, but you can imagine, this is a very small-scale um, uh, version of, of this, but you can imagine how, uh, how massive this can get. In fact, we're kind of working towards that in a, 
in a major art grant sort of sense, but stay tuned. Um, so we'll give this a run. And, uh, you know, David, maybe 15, 20 seconds into when we're playing the melody, perhaps you can kind of guide them to give you a color. Come on over and show me, because otherwise these guys, I mean, they're colorblind, so I have to do all the work. Okay, actually, I'm the colorblind one. Yeah, that's fine. It's, yeah, maybe, perhaps so. So we'll give this a shot. So this is random round uh, with a bit more randomness than the last time through.
Thank you. Even more random round. Thanks, David Farrell. Your debut, conducting debut. Um, <clears throat> we have a number, number of other pieces and, and uh, discussions to have with you today. And uh, I'd like to give this back over to Ken. Um, following a short performance, should we, should we do this a little performance first here? Yeah. Okay. See if you can guess the tune. Thank you. So as you've probably noticed, this is a pretty unusual um, combination. I don't think there are any other groups, trumpet, trombone and guitar, uh, playing uh, actively. And this is one of a group of five pieces that I wrote um, for us to play and really just trying to explore different textures and ideas. And this was a simple uh, way for me to work with a couple of different sounds. Looping is something that we've we've used a fair bit and you'll hear in the final piece in the program today. Um, and also for me, getting my head around writing for brass instruments as well. So in this case, I took a very um, simple, well-known tune. Did anyone pick the tune? 
Well, that's good in a way. Uh, and I thought we, we, we thought we'd use it as a chance just to um, discuss use of folk melodies, and I'll hand over to Joel. So, so Ken wrote this. This is a glimpse into a composer's mind. Um, I think all of you will be a bit shocked when we reveal what the tune is, and then you might wonder whether or not Ken needs to seek any professional help. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's actually quite an interesting topic. I mean, when you think about the, the history of music and the fact that we basically have 12 pitches and uh, some world musics and some um, more contemporary music styles will find the cracks between those pitches. But in general, in the Western canon, we're, we're dealing with 12 pitches. How do you come up with something new? How do you come up with something new and fresh sounding? And I think Ken's come up with a very clever way of taking a tune that everybody in this room and everybody in this country, hint, hint, might uh, know um, and disguise it and, and come up with an interesting and unique new piece of music. Um, so I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll show you on, on the screen what the tune is, and then we'll show you how he deconstructed it um, and incorporated it into this piece. So of course everybody knows that tune. Uh, you can hear from both mine and Don's accents that uh, we don't hail from Australia, but of course that's a tune that everybody around the world knows. Um, and you can see here on, on the screen just a little snippet um, where the lyrics are. Uh, and he sang as he watched and he waited till his billy boiled. Um, sorry, my, my, <coughs> my eyesight's not so good. Um, <coughs> Another tune. And so <clears throat> you can see it there, and the next way of um, breaking it up is by having the two instruments alternate the melodic tune. And if you flip to the next slide, you can see um, the trumpet plays the notes with the stems up, and so the, the text above the staff, and the trombone plays the pitches uh, with the text below the staff. And so Don and I can demonstrate that for you. So you can still hear the tune there, but then Ken kind of uh, takes it a step further, and he has Don and myself, the trumpet and the trombone, sustain the notes. And this is where it becomes quite difficult to, to hear the, the melody popping through. So you might still be able to hear it now that I've pointed it out, but he does take it one step further, and he um, moves the pitches by an octave in a couple of key moments, which really then makes the melody much harder to hear.
So that simple act of having me go up the octave for that last note and Don drop down then makes it much harder. Are you still able to hear the melody there? You still are. Okay, well now let's layer the guitar on top and I guarantee uh, you'll have to really work to hear the tune. <laughs> you still hear it then? Some saying yes, others less so. So this is really interesting. A lot of music has this type of treatment to a melodic material. In fact, um, it was, I think it was perhaps made, some elements of this were made famous by Schoenberg over, you know, about a hundred years ago um, and taking a melody and distributing it amongst different instruments and uh, moving notes in different octaves and then suddenly what becomes what was once very very familiar no longer is you can imagine um, an aunt an uncle a grandchild who you haven't seen for a year who just got a haircut and you, you have that extra second where you say wait a second I recognize you but you you look slightly different today and that's that's one of the ways in which um, a, a lot of contemporary music is, is written and we have an interest in folk uh, music and how folk music can be incorporated into new music. Um, and we've had, um, amongst our many commissions as an ensemble, we have composers writing pieces for us. We have um, a Chinese-Australian-based composer named Julian Yu, who's done arrangements of Chinese folk songs for us, and other composers have music sneak in there as well. Um, but that's just one of the ways and one of the paths forward for music. Um, Ken has um, a bit of a introduction to an upcoming uh, project here at the MRC, um, and this is the use of guitar. Um, and so he would like to play for us a very small sample of Ross Edwards' new piece for solo guitar, Melbourne Arioso, um, which will be performed here at the Recital Center on Thursday, the 3rd of November at 7.30 um, by the very famous and phenomenal uh, guitarist Xu Fei Yang. I won't play too much because this will be a world premiere when um, Shufei plays it on the 3rd of November. Um, I just thought it'd be interesting uh, to look at some of the other pieces that Ross Edwards has written for the guitar. Um, and so he's had quite a bit of experience and I would say this is an example of a composer who over time and with the help of other uh, or for guitar player friends has learnt, come to know the instrument quite well. and. There's a few really interesting aspects to this piece. I'll very quickly go over. It's inspired by the paintings of Melbourne's Clarice Beckett um, and said that it was the look uh, of these paintings often done at dawn or dusk um, that he was uh, thinking about when he, when he wrote this piece. There's a very spacious introduction using harmonics. I'll play a little bit of that and then that moves into a more sonorous, uh, serene section and then there's a scherzo section and it's sort of is a mirror form. So I'll just play a little bit of each of those three things uh, before we move on. So the harmonics at the very beginning.
first section and a little bit of the serene. section so you can hear just from those little extracts how he sort of really knows his way around the guitar um, and uses lots of open strings and harmonics but also it's, has his own the classical guitar yes has his own distinct style as well and there's Shufei who'll be premiering the work um, on the 3rd of November As, <clears throat> as performing musicians and, and uh, performance researchers, we are um, quite busy um, requesting new pieces and, and trying to get composers to write for us in various settings. Um, one of our colleagues, Stuart Greenbaum, has written three new sonatas. Actually, he's part of a whole cycle of sonatas that, um, that he's writing for all, all uh, orchestral and um, instruments and guitar. Um, and we just quickly like to plug this, that we'll be doing three world premieres um, coming up November 6th. And in fact, for a live uh, recording, CD recording, this will actually be our second uh, recording. First one, Midnight Songs, was uh, released really earlier this year. And we're also working on a third and a fourth CD. We've been very fortunate to have a number of pieces written for us and um, things we've had commissioned through uh, Osco grants and, and uh, just from composers hearing us and saying, wow, this is really cool. So can I write for you? Yes, yes, you, you may. Um, so we've been very fortunate about that, but we'd really like to plug this and uh, please come because it's, it's quite nice, lovely music in uh, Melba Hall in just a few weeks. Yes, so I'm going to actually hand this over to Joel again. And we're going to briefly discuss some of the recent commissions. So as Don mentioned, one of the things that we find uh, to be the most important and rewarding uh, part of our jobs as musicians, and quite fortunately for our actual job jobs at the University of Melbourne as uh, teachers and researchers in performance, um, <clears throat> is the opportunity to play new pieces and to commission new pieces and to collaborate with uh, new composers. Um, so you've heard Percy Granger's Random Round, which in a way was a seed of a thought of how we might operate as an ensemble, because it was a groundbreaking thing here in Australia, and in fact, that was a groundbreaking worldwide. Um, and four years ago, when the three of us decided to get together and form an ensemble, we started brainstorming about what composers we might um, look at to, to write for us, and we understandably started here, home, in, in Melbourne. Um, and our first, our first album, Midnight Songs, that Don just mentioned, is very much a Melbourne album. Um, it's named after the piece written for us by Katie Abbott, um, who is a composer uh, staff at the University of Melbourne. Um, and she wrote a really, really beautiful 30-minute long piece with 
these really gorgeous sonorities, and we'll give you a little snippet of that at the end. Um, but in addition to that, we have pieces by uh, our own guitarist Ken Murray um, and several other composers, in including Andrew Batterham and Christian O'Brien. Um, and so we've felt really fortunate about that. Um, and I, I, I really love this, this bit about Ross Edwards' new guitar piece being kind of Melbourne-flavored and, and calling it the, the Melbourne Arioso. Um, Don and I were fortunate to get um, some funding from the dean of the VCA and MCM and from our director, Gary McPherson, earlier this year to commission a brass quintet, which um, a local composer called uh, Andrew Betterham wrote for us with each movement representing or evoking a different landmark here in Melbourne. And um, we really love this idea and we're going to be adding movements to to uh, this piece as the years go by, which is which is really nice. Um, we thought we'd give you a, a small sample of uh, two of our, our other commissions right now. One of them received the support of the Australian Council for the Arts, um, and this was written for us by a composer named Jane Hammond, um, who uh, used to be in Tamworth, I believe, and now is residing in Victoria. Um, and we've known Jane for quite some time, and she, in fact, she helped prepare these Percy Granger parts for us uh, that we performed off of. But she wrote a piece for us um, called the uh, Country Crow Shuffle. And Jane is very interested in Australian indigenous birds. And so she thought she would incorporate into our piece sound samples of Australian birds. Um, you can guess from the name of this movement and from the sounds which birds these are. So you can hear not only the birds, but you can hear how the instruments um, imitate the birds with some guttural type, uh, very primal sounds, and also harmonize with the birds and play along at parts. She has the birds uh, singing in unison with us. Um, and this, so this is another way that music can remain fresh and interesting is actually by taking uh, sounds from our own environment and incorporating, incorporating them into a piece of music. That, that piece obviously has the, the, trumpet, the trombone and the acoustic guitar, but this next one is um, from a composer named James Ledger who um, writes a fair bit for the electric guitar. In fact, he had a, a major piece uh, com commissioned by the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra and premiered just a few months ago by that orchestra that is a companion piece to a piece he wrote for us called Voodoo Sonic. Um, and in this piece, he exploits 
not only the electric guitar, but all sorts of preparations of the electric guitar, um, putting glass slides on the strings. Um, and he also exploits lots of timbral changes for the two brass instruments with mutes and falls and all sorts of interesting things. This is a small excerpt from the Voodoo Sonnets third movement. So that was um, an excerpt from a live uh, radio broadcast we did of a draft version, a working version of this piece. Uh, earlier this year, we did um, over ABC Classics, uh, or ABC Radio FM, I should say. Um, and he's revised the piece, and we're now ready to give its world premiere, which we'll be doing here in this very room uh, late in February of 2017 on, on the 23rd at the, their Spotlight series. Um, so this is just a, a very small overview of different ways that uh, music can remain interesting and fresh and new, and how composers are writing for our very unique uh, instrumentation here. Um, but we thought we would open the floor to some questions, comments, uh, feedback from our audience. Perhaps you would like to comment on the fact that these are all Australian compositions and um, if there are any particular trends that you've noticed when you've asked people to write for you, are they all highly idiomatic or are there some uh, tendencies that people would have when they're composing for this rather unusual combination of instruments? Fantastic question. Um, so yes, everything we've shown you thus far is Australian. Um, and I think for us, that was a very natural place to, to start with our commissioning here at home. Um, but it, it ha we have branched off slightly in the past year or so, um, first with an Australian living overseas in New York, uh, a man by the name of Wally Gunn, whose piece will be coming towards us uh, for this concert in February that we'll be premiering. Um, and then another New Yorker, but originally Chinese-born um, uh, composer whose name is Fei Wang, and she came recommended to us from a, a colleague at the university. Um, so, you know, it's, it's interesting because uh, Australia is a bit like uh, Don in my own home country, America, in that um, when, when defining what is quintessentially Australian or what is quintessentially uh, American in 2016, well, we certainly have lots of influences. And um, Melbourne is the perfect example for that. Just walk down the street and take a survey of the restaurants, and you see um, lots of foreign cultures and lots of foreign foods incorporated into what is now Australian. And I think music is very much that, that same thing. As for trends, um, there are some, um, but no overwhelming ones. We've, we've kind of gone to some very diverse composers. Some of them are 
um, specialists in our instruments, for example. So um, Wally Gunn, the Australian chap who's writing the piece for us, living in New York, he knows the guitar intimately, and he's written a lot for electric guitar, and he's had many of his pieces performed here at the Melbourne Recital Center. And so for him, that piece, uh, the evolution of that piece does have some back and forth communication with, with Ken on the, on the guitar part, but more so with the brass players, um, what, what works and what doesn't work. Um, and I think we've been really fortunate in that composers are really open to experimenting. They're, they're really happy to say, look, this is what I'm going for. Um, try it out, and then we, we respond back and say, we, we'll record a little snippet of us playing and say, you know, this didn't quite work, but you know, maybe this, if you go this direction, you'll find something interesting, and they'll come back to us with something else, which is really rewarding for us and results in a, a more uh, engaging piece. And additionally, uh, in line with that, you, <clears throat> as, as performers, we tend to like music that has something in it that is approachable, whether that's, you know, rhythmic or melodic um, or harmonic. And so in, in one way, we've also approached composers that will be uh, happy to give us some of those things in there. It's very important to us that we can not just, as my wife calls it, not just make eep-op orc music, but actually you know, present something that, that, that is tangible or that you can, you can grab onto in some way. So uh, whether that's, it's a little difficult to, to conceive of, of uh, what a composer might come up with with this orientation, but I think that's a beautiful part of the challenge and why composers maybe are quite interested in writing for this. It's something quite new. And as you can see, I mean, first a trumpet, trombone, guitar. What the heck can you do with that? Well, then you start adding all these, you know, gadgets and, and sound palettes and all those other things. And uh, so, so I, would, I would say that one of the overriding things is that we do seem to have an element of, of approachableness to, uh, is that a word, to our um, library so far. We've commissioned a good 15 or more pieces at this point. It's quite, quite impressive. It's going very well. Other questions? Uh, I've just recently um, part of a trio where I play the classical guitar and uh, I just do a uh, couple of Philip Horton Who's pieces. your trombonist? <laughs> no, we don't have a trombonist. We have a trumpet and a clarinet. But normally uh, guitar, classical guitarists, for instance, don't sort of mix with the other crowd. But it's really, it is a real pleasant sensation to be listening to wind instruments, you know, washing over your music. Mm. So yeah, it's it's, a, uh, it's an interesting um, point because, and it's partly why there isn't much music written for guitar and brass because there there is no there's not much of a natural blend of sound. So that's when made, we made the decision fairly early on, or I made the decision even with the um, classical guitar to amplify. It seemed to be the only way to really get a, a proper balance. And uh, Katie's piece was the first one that we commissioned and that we had written for us. And I sort of spent a bit of time talking to her saying, look, I don't want to get drowned out the whole time. And I don't just want to play chords. Uh, I spent quite a lot of time saying that to her. I don't know, I don't know if you knew. And, and so she thought the looping was a way of keeping chords going and I could do some melodic things as well. Um, 
But uh, one, I, I think it's been pretty consistent that all the composers who have written for us have been really excited by the idea of the group and because they hadn't you know, thought of what could be done with this sort of instrumentation. And for me, it's great because, you, you know, with classical guitar, we have a limited uh, number of chamber pieces we can play and also a limited number of, com you know, combinations that are regularly used. So it sort of adds something new to the chamber music for guitar, definitely. Yeah, well, this, uh, these blokes that I play along with, I went along just to uh, try and be brave and play in front of them, you know, like they're from a concert band that I'm president of. And uh, I'd played them this piece called Trumpets, which is a third grade piece. Yeah, another one. Yep. Yeah, and they just said, wow, we could do some really nice sounds with this. Fantastic. And off we went. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. We tell the story a, a lot, but Joel and I, you know, having just moved here from actually... We're both from the United States, but we both moved here from not the United States. And I moved here from Denmark, and, and Joel moved here from, from Canada. And we were looking for a project, a research project, that might be interesting for us to do some commissioning and do some interesting pieces together for trumpet and trombone. Because as Ken mentioned, it's, there's not a lot of material for chamber ensemble, even for uh, trombone and trumpet. And so we needed to create some. So we thought at first, well, why don't we have a revolving third uh, element to this? And uh, we said, well, why don't we start with guitar? Because he seems like a good bloke. And uh, brought him in, and, and he bought several rounds of beer. So we just had to keep him in. <laughs> this is partially true. He's broke now, I know. So. But that's, that's exactly right. That's why we why got started, is to expand the repertoire for us. And that became a major part of our research over the last four or five years. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Any, any final questions? We do have one other selection we'd like to play for you. So we've referenced this, this piece by Katie Abbott, Midnight Songs, which uh, was the title of our, our first album. And um, this has gotten some fantastic reception um, as we've played it in uh, Melbourne and in Sydney. We've played it now in Hong Kong and a few cities in China and Singapore as well. Um, and I think it's uh, popular because it's it's accessible. It's very lush harmonies with some very beautiful melodies. Um, and in the final movement of the piece, we really get to un unleash and do some improvisation that, that can get quite wacky depending on the day. Um, we're going to keep it a, a bit not wacky now and, and play uh, the first movement, which is entitled Lullaby. Um, and I think you'll hear why Katie has decided to, to title the, the piece that. Um, but before we do that, we, we'd just like to th thank you again for coming here um, and to thank all of those who have made our project both this particular one today and this ongoing project that is um, our main musical interest for the past four years, uh, the people who have made that happen. So today um, we, we'd like to extend our thanks to Professor Jane Davidson for, for inviting us to perform on this series, which is our first time as an ensemble uh, performing here. And as I said before, we'll, we'll be back to, to perform at, in the salon on the Spotlight series in February. So we're fortunate to, to be here today and get the opportunity to play for you but also to the University and the Conservatorium of Music, um, Professor Gary McPherson, who's the director, um, immediately when we pitched this idea to him said, um, sounds crazy, sounds great, I'm sure you'll figure out a way to make it happen, and if you need anything, let me know. Um, and we have let him know, and he's, and he's come through, and so we're very fortunate to uh, be able to, to have this continuing on and to continue to have some great new pieces written for us. Um, we hope you'll check out 
our album Midnight Songs and, and perhaps to see you at our concert on 6th of November and 23rd of February. This is The Lullaby for Midnight Songs. Thank you. 